Welcome to Life List, a birding podcast. Hello, everybody. Hope uh, everybody's doing good today. Our first episode. How are you doing today, Al? Doing pretty well, George. How, how are things out there in the east? Dude, it's snowing again. Old oh. man winter. Old man winter has got his grips on us here in Philly. It's out of control. It's like the 17th snowstorm in like a week, it feels like. Huh. Wow. I mean, here in the West, California, it's it's raining, so it's like kind of the equivalent. <laughs> but we need we really, really <laughs> rejoice when we get water, you know. I mean, we don't complain, but it's not that cold. <laughs> Man, when all this stuff melts here, I wonder where it's going to go. I think we're going to be underwater. But, uh, <laughs> well, man, listen, it's fun to be doing our first episode here. Um, it's, I know. Uh, we've, we've talked about it for years, it seems. But yeah, here we are. Yeah. Sitting down, yeah. podcasting. Exactly, man. Throwing it down. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I figured we ought to start by kind of telling folks a little bit about us. Hopefully, hopefully our friends are listening, but I, I also hope some folks that don't really know us are listening too and might want to know a little bit. Why don't uh, you're out there in, in Half Moon Bay. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Alvaro? Uh, yeah, so I live in this place called Half Moon Bay in California, and it's a great birding spot. And, uh, you know, our podcast is about birds, people. And uh, places. So, I mean, that, this place covers it. It's got birds. It's a great place. And there's good people here. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think it's the same as where you are in Philly, right? Yeah. Yeah, we got uh, – yeah, I mean, don't get me started, man. I'll brag about uh, the I, history I forgot. Of, of – Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I forgot. Uh, yeah. yeah. Don't ask people from Philly about Billy because they start going <laughs> on and on. <laughs> Yeah, we have more we have more pride uh, in the city than is perhaps even appropriate. But, uh, <laughs> that's, but yeah, it's a no, good place. We, I've been there. It's, yeah, yeah, you've been a bunch, and and uh, yeah, we got a lot of birders here, man. I forget how many bird clubs are like in the greater Philadelphia area, but there's a lot, and it's growing all the time. You know, there's more and more birders, you know, everywhere. But it feels like here, especially. Um, you know, the, the demographics are changing, which is cool. It's like, you know, it's always felt like sort of a, a kind of a, a, a thing for, you know, I don't know, just older white folks or something. And more and more, it's younger folks, it's people of color, it's everybody, you know, more and more. And I think that's seeing that evolution um, is 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 fun. It's cool. It's enriching. Um, yeah. And so. you know, maybe it, it's kind of funny, but I think that's one of the reasons we kind of had wanted to do this is that for years, I mean, we've been in this birding, um, lifestyle, you know, since we were kids and, uh, and you know, I'm, uh, I'm no spring chicken now. So that's, you know, that's <laughs> counting the decades of, of birding, you know? Um, and, and uh, it's we always knew, right? I think we always knew that this would eventually catch on. That people, this is just so wonderful. The whole bird 
birding, you know, identifying birds, going to see birds, going and walking and listening to birds. We knew it was going to catch on, but we just didn't know when, how, or what. So suddenly it's sort of like, you know, okay, cool. There's an audience for this kind of thing. And we hopefully have something to offer having been around the block in the birding world. <laughs> yeah, you know? I sure hope so. Yeah. And I, I, I you know, I, I agree. I think we do. And, and I hope we, I hope our listeners will, will feel the same way. And yeah, I think we have kind of hit a little bit of a tipping point with birding where it's penetrated pop culture uh, a little bit and more and more people are curious about it. I think folks are starting to realize it's, it's a way you can connect with nature and wildlife and be present and forget about stuff for a while that might be worrying you or upsetting you. Um, just, you know, almost setting out your front door. You don't, you don't have to go around the world, although we do and we like to, but you can, you can go to your local park or just look out your back window and see something cool. And I think that's one of the great things about birding. Yeah. And, and you know, one of the, one of the things I think is, it's so obvious when you're a birder, but to people who are not birders, they don't get this, is that the, the calendar makes a difference in the if you're a birder. Every day has meaning because, you know, you're either, you know, maybe a storm is going to hit and that's in winter. And that could mean, you know, red poles are going to come down or, you know, February is different likelihood that red poles are going to be there versus December. Um, you... We'll start getting the first migrants coming in soon. We've got the first hummingbirds have popped in here, the migrant hummingbirds, the Allens. And it's like every day is different and every day matters and you can predict things on the calendar. And a lot of people lead their lives only knowing, oh yeah, it's summer, you know, it's winter. But for birders, every day is important. And I think that connection is cool and you don't get it from many things. Like, it's really, true. You know, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. 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 I, one of the fun things for me is my, 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 my now fiance, as I mentioned, uh, just minutes ago. Congratulations. My, yes. Thank you. Yeah. My fiance, Kristen is, you know, she's, she kind of has quite a bit of birding background, uh, years ago, but she's really gotten into it again, uh, since, since, uh, we got together and, yeah, you know, like the calendar, as you say, is a big thing. You know, there are a couple red poles around here right now, but how long they're going to be here, we don't know, you know. And in another month, like, you know, pine warblers are going to start streaming in here and chipping sparrows are going to be migrating and, you know, and, and then they'll they'll kind of quiet down and other things will come and replace them. And, um, yeah, I think the the temporal part of it, the, the, the transient um, – aspect of birding that's a good word temporal by the way you know you've just shown yeah. that you have a good educated background in <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i'm gonna start I, I hope, pointing out all the good words she is yeah oh all right well and i'm gonna try harder yeah let's see, let's see what else i can I, yeah that I might was, be I one of the like checklists that people can can do like you know uh when they listen to us is how many good words they came up with you know some some uh, word bingo yeah right i know i mean <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm, one of my favorite words is sesquipedalian, right? Which means <laughs> which means fond of big words. So one of my <laughs> big projects is that I want to start the anti-sesquipedalian society. Um, you know, I think 
it might be hard to garner too many mem- members for that, but uh, I look forward Never to know. it. Never know. Never know. You know, yeah. in, in these days of this inter- interconnected nature, you find a crowd for whatever you're interested in, you know? <laughs> hey, look, even there's groups for gulls, you know? <laughs> That's <laughs> true. People. <laughs> I know, man. And they are, they are diehard and ready to rock the gull people. The I mean, gull people. Not, we're, we're, we're among them, so we shouldn't really cast too many stones. I know, I know, but you know, I I realize the, I realize what a, being a gull person is, and it's not yeah. always pretty. <laughs> you, yeah, you don't you don't lack self awareness. That's good. That's important. Yeah. yeah, don't talk gulls with regular people. What you know, just get in the little crowd of gull nerds, and you can talk amongst yourselves, and that's great. But endlessly, the rest, yeah, the rest of the world, we can talk chipping sparrows and other things. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. But no, we we uh, we perhaps digress. But I think you're right that the one of the great things about birding is the is the the calendar and how you know things things come and go. And if you're not in the right place at the right time, you might miss it. But if you are in the right place at the right time, man, the stuff you can see is is pretty phenomenal. Yeah, connection. You know, especially you know when. God, we all love rare birds, right? But when you find a rare bird, it's like the chance. What's the chance of that, whatever it might be, and you and your binoculars and everything comes together and you also knew what it was, hopefully. No. Yeah. <laughs> or at least, and then other people come and see it and they're, it's a, it builds this whole, it's just a special little gift. It's that yeah. everything coming together. Which is cool too. I mean, uh, how many things in the world do you can you just have these random events just bring absolute happiness? You know, yeah. you never know when it's going to happen. Yeah. What was it? Your quote was uh, that I like to. I've quoted you on it a number of times. Was about um, like they say golf is is like a is like a a good walk gone wrong or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I forget what, what it was, yeah. Um, but, you know, I think birding too, like if, you know, I, I can't put down golf anymore, you know, because my son's really into golf now. So, I, you know, and I used to sort of <laughs> make fun of golf because yeah. it's an outdoor activity and it seems so weird. Like if you were a space alien coming down on Earth and you landed in a golf course, you saw all these people like, hitting a little ball into a hole, you'd think like, why are they doing this? You know, but obviously <laughs> it's fun, right? I mean, I, haven't, I, I played when I was a kid a little bit, but, um, yeah. but birding, you can, you can add it to anything. So you can actually go golfing and be birding, right? You can, yeah. you can cook a meal, look out the window and be birding. You can do birding all the time, which is often a problem, you know, don't, don't bird and drive, right? Yes, exactly. That's <laughs> you can run into trouble with that. Yeah. yeah, it's it's the greatest thing on earth, and hopefully we can get people to share in that appreciation of of not just birds, but birding and birding culture. You know, and yeah, the, the whole deal of uh, what this entails. Yeah, exactly. And I think, like you're saying, seeing new stuff is awesome. Seeing rare stuff is awesome. But I think the thing, as you stick with it over time, is that seeing birds that you have seen forever becomes, as you see them again and again, it's like seeing old friends, but learning new things about them uh, as you as you watch them. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, it really is sort of constantly rewarding. Um, 
you know, we all, we all have our moments where, you know, you're, you're cursing the bird that you, that dragged you to some, you know, godforsaken spot or that you're not seeing, but by and large, it's pretty, pretty <laughs> rewarding process. Yeah. 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 And, and everybody does it in their, own, in their own way. Like that's, you have the ability to, to uh, mold birding into your, not only schedule, but your, your personality. Right. So, I mean, there's real competitive birders. I'm not one of them, you know, but I appreciate that that, that can be one of the aspects of birding that really gets to some people. And then there's other people who go out with a, you know, um, a notebook and sketch everything, you know, it's, and it's all about sitting in one spot, enjoying one sort of aspect of, you know, uh, a, a natural sort of event happening or something. And it's, it's, it's got everything. I mean, really you can. Yeah, it's true. There's like you say, there's a million ways to do it. There's, there's uh, you know, there's times when you go out and you have a very specific focus and something you want to see. And other times you can just kind of go out and be passive and let what you see wash over you and, and be real relaxed about it. And there's, there's everything in between. Um, Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's, it's the best. Yeah. Plus, yeah. I was gonna say, plus you got the birders, you know, the birders. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they, like you said, they're, it's expanding. There's more people, you know, used to be a bunch of weirdos like us. Now now it's like actual real people, (laughs) regular people. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Like normal, reasonable human beings. Yeah. I know, which is great. You know, finally we get to talk to reasonable human beings rather than other people like us. (laughs) Yeah. Now, when did you start? You like, we both, I know we both started when we were kids. You started young, but like, I don't remember what your like. Was it a pretty abrupt start for you, or or no? Yeah, I mean, I think when you're a kid, everything is abrupt, right? Like you suddenly pick up things, and you're suddenly really into it. And I was 11 years old, I think. And you know, I think by the time I was 12 or 13, I'd already you know made lots of friends in the birding world, and and was you know uh, going to Texas with people, you know, in, in, in a, in a car making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and, uh, just, you know, going from spot to spot camping and birding old school kind of road trip, you know, and I couldn't even drive it. And so I was, you know, in charge of the peanut butter and jelly production in the <laughs> backseat. But, you know, there's, I, this actually reminds me of something. There's only, there's one bird species that I saw on that first trip to Texas that I've never seen again since I was about 12 or 13. Wow. And it's, I mean, I won't make you guess cause there's a, but it's hooping crane. I okay. saw that way back and I've never seen it again. And now I'm like, I, I need to make a trip to see that again. You know? Yeah. Um, it's it's I mean, the rarest bird in North America. I think. Yeah. Might be. Yeah. Other than, you know, ivory bull woodpeckers and I was going to say Eskimo curlew or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've seen them, I think, just twice. Because part of it is, you know, you got to go at the right time. Yeah. Um, yeah. How did you start, George? You've got. Yeah. you got a story. Yeah, well, you got family connections. Yeah. Yeah. My dad is is serious bird nerd dude. He started in 19... 19- 1950 just about 
and he he kind of tried to get me interested for a few years when I was young, and I think like nine ten years old, um, we actually did it. the 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 real like I remember a few birds early on. Like one of the first birds I remember seeing was a brown creeper. It was actually in Bartram's garden mm. here in Philadelphia, which you could argue is where American ornithology really began, uh, where Alexander Wilson. Um, did most of his studies, but so I, I like remember that. I remember a few other birds, but I, you know, I, I the the thing that really got me going was we did a family trip to Churchill, Manitoba, in wow. 1984, and <clears throat> along the drive, I started. We had the Peterson Field Guide on the on the seat. You know, it was me and my sisters. My twin, my sisters are twins. They're three years younger. My mom and my dad. We did the road trip. We drove up to Thompson, and by the time. We got to Thompson, you know, where you get on the train and then you take the train all the way up to Churchill. By that point, I was pretty hooked. I was, I had my head out the window, sort of like a golden retriever or something, you know, and I was mm-hmm. like, you know, calling out blue winged teal and, you know, stuff from kind of the, the prairie potholes. I can't remember if it's a prairie potholes or the pothole prairies. I think it's a pothole prairies, right? Um, prairie potholes. Yeah, prairie potholes. I don't potholes. know. Maybe okay. it's different in the US, but in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> you, I trust you. I trust you on this matter. Uh, and a fantastic region, right? I mean, there's all sorts of cool stuff there. But then we got up to Churchill. And I remember seeing a postcard of what was then an Arctic loon, but is now a Pacific loon, and being like, man, that's a crazy looking thing. Like, I want to see that. And we went out that afternoon and we saw them. And I was like, wow, you can just go see stuff, you know? Like, yeah. I wanted to see that like an hour ago, and now I've seen it, you know? Yeah. Um, and it was yeah, just it's- stuff like that, yeah. It's fantastic that, you know, um, and hey, you know, books, I mean, everybody's in, into the apps and so on. And I understand the the functionality of apps is amazing. But a book where you rifle through the pages and then you get, you see something, you go, what the hell is that? And where do you see it? You know, and and then having the magic of having that in your head, thinking, God, you know, I, one day I want to see a Smith's Longspur or something mm-hmm. like that which you probably saw in Churchill and I have never seen in my life. Oh, really? Yeah. That is my nemesis bird. Wow. You know, Smith's Longspur. It's, it's, it's fun. It is true. Like the, we're both book nerds, um, bird book nerds. And there's a bunch of good new bird books coming out right now, which is pretty mm -hmm. cool. But, um, I was telling, we've even written books. This is true. This is true. (laughs) Hopefully more to come as well. Yeah. Due course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was I was telling Kristen the other day how like, you know, when you read stuff, you don't even really know what you're picking up. And I remember doing that uh, cruise to the Subantarctic Islands in New Zealand. And, you know, I'd been rifling through the books, just like you say, just like oh, trying to devour everything and being out on deck and seeing this whale like rocket up into the air breaching, you know, like a big, like full breach out of the water and just like found myself screaming strap toothed beaked whale, strap toothed beaked whale. <laughs> and, I, and then I like look around and I was like, where did that even come from? Like, I didn't even know yeah. that I like knew that thing, you know, uh, it's amazing what you pick up. Yeah, no, you're it's yeah. The brain, I mean, it, you just something, right? You, once you become an observer, you can look at a book and pick up stuff, and then you're out in a new country, and suddenly you go, "That looks like you know, whatever it might be, you know." It's, yeah. 
Um, and it's often something that's not that obvious and you, you just sort of pick it up from the book. It's, yeah. it's kind of fascinating how all that happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And, um, so what do you do, George? What, what is your, what is your role in the birding community? If I had to ask you that, you know, Ooh. I know, I know, but the people don't know, right? Sure. <laughs> Yeah, well, like my day job is working for Rock Jumper Worldwide Birding Adventures, and uh, and I I do a lot with our our partnerships and promotion is kind of my main uh, thing. But I still, you know, like to get out and lead trips as well, um, you know, and um, and so yeah, I, I do. I usually, you know. When, when travel is wide open and everything's going great, I usually do, you know, three, five international trips a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do, you know, based here in Philly, um, I'm, I'm pretty involved in the, in the community birding uh, situation here um, and, and pretty, pretty, pretty involved uh, in, uh, help monitor, you know, we've got a couple chat groups, text service, you know, things for, you know, basically to keep people informed about what's going on. And I kind of manage those. And I was president of the bird club here until recently. Um, and, uh, so Did you yeah. Get kicked out in a scandal? No, <laughs> there was an insurrection. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <right>. yeah. <laughs> no, no, it was term limits, you know? Um, oh yeah. Okay. Did, I did my time as they say. Right. Yeah. 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 What about you, man? Tell us, tell us about your gig. So, yeah, I, I have a a tour company, Alvarez Adventures. And uh, right now that's on hold as, as most tourism is. And um, I've been keeping busy with a lot of online projects, workshops and so forth, and, and planning on doing more of that in kind of keeping that going, even when the tourism um, re rebounds, because I'm enjoying a lot of that that aspect of teaching people about birds and, and, and so forth. And there's always a you know, little science projects and other things that are going on behind the scenes, which we'll eventually talk about all that stuff. But, you know, we, we both met, well, actually we originally met with, but didn't meet almost. <laughs> we just sort of <laughs> said hello. Right. Mm-hmm. When I was visiting, the Academy in Philadelphia. And, uh, I was working on, I think I was working on the birds of Chile, right? Yeah. You were looking at specimens. I was was trying to remember what it was. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, we, we sort of like said, Hey, and then I went birding and, and we sort of, it was one of those like in the car, hellos, you know, yeah. Roll down the window and your dad was there and, yeah, but we were like three hours south of Philly. That was a funny thing. We were down yeah. in the, the the low country, the salt marshes of, of Chesapeake Bay, uh, out there at Elliott Island. And I remember being like, I just saw that dude like yesterday. Yeah, um, he was he was out there <laughs> rifling through the the bird collection. And yeah. then then we met uh, in Alaska, right? When you were up, that's right. You were at the Pribs, and I was uh, I was I co-leading a. A tour with with field guides and eventually we both were working at field guides together and co-leading trips so mm-hmm. yeah it's amazing how that all that happened 
And now yeah. here we are, co-leading yes. a podcast. <laughs> yes. Look at, this. Look at us now. Look at us now. I know. Come so far. <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, magical places to go, you know, um, that day that, I, th- I think that day that I saw you in, in the car might have been when I saw my first brown-headed nuthatch. Mm-hmm. Things like that were new to me then, even. Maybe Saltmarsh Sparrow. I don't know if you Salt Saltmarsh Sparrow, probably, yeah. yeah. And and then, uh, then of course, Pribs are magic. Pribilof, if somebody doesn't know, like that's a place you've got to go yeah. to see. And it's not just, you know, forget all this ABA list and all that. It's just an amazing place, no matter where you live in the world as a birder, to go see all these seabirds, yeah. you know, the alcids, the, the birds that land there, just lost and... Just cool stuff. I mean, endemic populations of yeah. rosy yeah, finches and wrens and all that kind of stuff. It's it's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, if folks don't know, it's basically a speck of old volcanic rock right out smack in the middle of the Bering Sea in Alaska. And uh, yeah, I mean, like usually you fly from Anchorage. I don't know what kind of planes they're using right now, but remember they used to use those old Metroliners, most of which I think didn't even have like a bathroom on them. Um, yeah, and, they look like basically a sausage. They're so skinny, yeah, you know. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I remember some people say it was like a flying pencil. You know. Yeah, it really yeah. felt that way. I mean, you're. <laughs> it was you know how people say, oh, you know, getting into a metal tube and you know flying somewhere as a joke. This was a metal tube, you know. Yeah. Basically, it's just. And dumb. my recollection was that they actually did have a bathroom, but that there was very little privacy, like. It was like an emergency bathroom. Like, There's no door. <laughs> I think it was like that. Like one of the seats like folded up or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm making that up. But that, that's the way I remember it. But, you know, memory can be a funny thing. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's something else to get out there. And, of course, you didn't always, even when you get on the plane, you you know, you, you could you could run into fog and have to turn around and come back. So they always had to fuel up in Dillingham or something before yeah. getting out there. King um, Salmon or some. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I I don't know if how many times you flew back and forth, but I flew in there, and the pilot—I think it was a co-pilot—they kept calling him Batman, and I thought, <laughs> oh, this is one of those cool nicknames that you get as a as a pilot, you know? And they're like, hey, Batman, whatever, hey, Batman. And uh, so when we got there, you know, they, they're just hanging around, and I was like, so how'd you get your nickname, Batman? And he pulls out his ID, and his name actually was Batman. <laughs> I was, you know, flabbergasted. Wow. And the, the other pilots there, we had a cup of coffee, just shaking her head, you know, yep, he's Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it's, yeah, so many little stories that, that happen while you're out watching birds. So many things, you know, that, that you, you just, uh, you wonder why everybody isn't doing this. <laughs> you yeah. Know, accumulate. Yeah. That's, that's what you, like when people used to make, you know, fun of, oh, people always poke fun, right? Of people that watch birds. And you and I have always said like, we don't understand why everybody isn't a birder, you know, like it's awesome. You know? It's like people don't get it. It's, I feel like it's, uh, it's kind of, you know, it's too bad. They're missing out. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's, um, it's you know there's going to be I mean I just got breaking news here on my my phone 
Kim Kardashian files for divorce from Kanye, which is no sad, way, right? It wow. just happened. But, wow, that's big. So there, there's two things here. One, maybe now she'll be more open to becoming a birder. <laughs> it's <laughs> or it's either high one time. of them. It's high time, you know, to to yeah. have somebody at that level. But also, it's like you know, there's going to be a point probably where like we will get like you know news about birds and nature to that level, right? When mm-hmm. when everybody's into this, it's gonna be it's like it's gonna be like sports, right? When you know something happens, it's gonna yeah. be like so and so just spotted you know Siberian Accenter in yeah, you know Idaho, say. and we're like what you know? Yeah, like first North American records will be like tweeted out by like you know U.S. I, I don't know what, what's a, what's a big national like CNN will be like Siberian thrush has been seen in British Columbia, right? Um, <laughs> For those of you who are not, you know, Siberian thrush is a blah blah blah. You know, you could just see, you <laughs> know, genus turtles. And, oh, yeah. I'm not sure. Um, no, I think it's Zuthera. Zuthera, uh-huh. isn't it? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's, a, it's a fancy Zuthera. Yeah, yeah. And then so, people are saying, "What are those fancy words you're using?" That yeah, well, you know, it's it's the uh, the genus what the bird is. Who it's related to? I think it's more close. That tells you it's more closely related to a very thrush than it is to a robin. So, mm-hmm. so we're yeah. we're not just doing these fancy words for nothing. It actually tells you something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unless it's sesquipedalianness, just for the sake of being sesquipedalian. Yeah, yeah. No, that's only some people do that. I wouldn't. Mean, I wouldn't have even known what that word was. So what? What? What do you? So what's your um, um, exciting? things that have you've seen this week or this yeah period. well i mean actually, the coolest probably, thing. since this is the first one we could go back all the way to you know birth but let's just keep it <laughs> the week yeah let's let's try to keep it uh yeah something uh something recent yeah I, probably the coolest thing you know i'm not i'm not a big lister as you know um which you know i'm i'm not someone driven by trying to get new stuff for my list with one notable exception. Mm. And that is that I do care about my city of Philadelphia list. And Philadelphia is the only, it's the only, well, it's one of the few big cities in the country that is actually its own county. So Philly oh. is both a city and a county. Yeah. The, the, the limits are exactly the same here in Pennsylvania. So it's like San Francisco is like that. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea. I, I know, like you know, a bunch of other places, big, big towns. It's, it's not the case, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Like you know, I know Jen Brumfield is big on her her Cleveland area list, but that's Cuyahoga County, and and uh, the New York mm-hmm. birders run into similar stuff. But yeah, so there was. Uh, I actually need needed rough legged hawk for my Philly list. Oh um, wow. Yeah, which is That's you know good looking bird too, rough like hog. Oh, smart looking, yeah. And so I, uh, you know, I, I actually have probably seen them in Philadelphia before, but they used to be a, a routine winter visitor at the Heinz Refuge back in you know through into the nineties. Um, but back then, I wasn't as keen on my my list, and and a lot of the a lot of the habitat at the Heinz Refuge there, where they used to be pretty routine, is actually in Delco in Delaware County. Uh, and not Philadelphia. So I was looking back, I knew I'd seen rough legged hawks, but I wasn't really sure I'd actually seen them in Philadelphia. Um, so at any rate, one was found last weekend and uh, by my friend Patrick McGill, who's kind of 
Ace Philly birder here. And it was found like late Saturday afternoon, you know, and it gets dark here like five right now in the afternoon. So everyone was like, all right, first thing tomorrow, you know, we're all going to look. And he, he got photos of it. Patrick did beautiful uh, adult uh, male. And it's, it's like a real heavily marked light morph uh, adult male, like really cool looking bird. And I was like, man, that'd be nice. Love to get good photos of it. So, you know, I kind of staggered out of bed in the morning. I got to admit, I didn't get out. I didn't shoot out of bed. Some other folks beat me there. There was part of it was weather again. And, uh, and they start sending in photos and my buddy Liam's like, this is a different bird. (laughs) And it was a, it was a light morph juvenile. So I I got there and I I got to see, yeah, I got to see this light morph juvenile, which is also beautiful, but it was a completely different individual at the exact same spot. The other one was gone. No one saw it again. The light morph juvenile hung around for, I think, three days, uh, and a bunch of us got to see it. So it was actually fun just, you know, during this this uh, pandemic COVID era to just, like, see some other birders out, too. That was that was a highlight as well, right. was to see some friends <clears throat> around. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so that was that was a real highlight. That yeah. was number two, 291 for my Philly list, so it was pretty exciting. Oh, wow. Yeah, what about I mean, you? What have you been seeing? I think – well, I was just thinking about the COVID era that – I, there'll be a time when we don't have to wear masks anymore, perhaps, but the fogging of the binoculars Ugh. from mask use, it's like a whole thing. Like you, you could have uh, one of the binocular companies come out with anti-fogging this or that, you know, and they'd sell like hotcakes this, you know, these, these last, this last year. Cause the and scope use too is problematic, you know? I know. I know. The it's masking. Like, yeah. It's uh yeah. What do you do? Uh, but, um, soon it'll be less, you know, be, I don't want to say it's soon we'll be all, all okay, but soon it's going to start be better. getting yeah. better. It it already is. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it just, uh, yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Know, I, I know that people are getting vaccines and all that. So that's great. You know, a lot of people who, who travel too are, are getting vaccines. They're the right age or what have you. But what have I uh, what have I seen? A couple of things. One thing is how you can get attached to a specific individual bird. So I have mm. this white crown sparrow that comes into I have a bunch of white crown sparrows in my backyard, but one of them is banded, like with a with a metal band. And I read the the number last year, and it was a, a youngster last year, and it you know molted into an adult looking bird gambles, you know, one of the taiga breeding birds and it went north, disappeared and then came back this year. I also, since I read the band, I know it, it was banded on the southbound migration on the Farallon islands, which are about oh, wow. almost 30 miles offshore from San Francisco is kind of lost. Yeah, that's it gets wild. caught there banded. Now it's wintering in my backyard two years in a row. And, and I didn't see it for like 10 days. And I started like kind of mourning it, like, oh crap, you know, must a hawk or something. Then it came back like yesterday. And, <laughs> you know, shiny band. And it's actually really good looking individuals. It's like one of the brightest individuals in the backyard. And I thought how weird that is, right? <laughs> you know, like you you're just watching wildlife in a sense, but you know who that one is. You you have a special bond. And it uh, it really means something. 
And I thought, isn't that cool in a sense? Like that, talk about connection to nature just even in your backyard. That's a really specific situation. But obviously, it also tells me, and I, I knew this from, from some of the science been done on them, is that once uh, white crown sparrows come to a wintering site and they, they hone in on it, they'll come back year after year after year. They, they, so this individual probably also goes to the very same nesting area year after year and then it flies you know to the same wintering area and it's just going back and forth maybe from alaska to here and i just kind of boggles my mind and i almost feel like wouldn't it be cool one day we'll be able to put little transmitters on these birds and you know thousands of them so people in their backyard can know where their individual bird actually went to breed yeah that'll be a whole new birding thing you know i mean people are looking at at nest cams and that kind of stuff which i actually don't i don't find nest cams all that captivating you know but some people just love seeing what's going on but this kind of thing would just i'd be i'd be online all the time going like where'd that lincoln sparrow go or oh my god you know (laughs) george george's backyard starling just happened to move three states down you know like (laughs) Yeah, it just crossed the Atlantic all the way back to Europe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Actually, you know, <laughs> wild starling. Um, yeah. That, that yeah, that was one thing. The other thing, it was a gull thing. Um, I just uh, I was out birding, good weather a few days ago, and we um, one of the hotshot young birders, Noah Arthur, just kind of said, "Oh, here's something. You know, like uh, this is something rare," and we look at it and indeed we eventually kind of pieced together that it, it's probably a vega gull, the Asian form of the herring gull, which is a super rarity. Wow. And it takes some skill to just, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I, w- I was kind of impressed at how there it was. And, you know, he picked it out and then we sort of got photographs and, you know, the whole gull, t- I won't get too deep into it. Cause you know, I could like, you can go on about Philly <laughs> I can go on yeah, about gulls. Beads on the gulls pretty quick. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then there's there's the other thing of of nobody. Well, it's not that nobody cares, but most people don't get all that jazzed because it's a subspecies of the herring gull. But the moment that it gets separated, it's going to be a whole different thing. Yeah. People will be driving for hours to look for it a is vega gull. Yeah. Yeah. It is not, and. It's such a false issue. You know what I mean? It, it's it's the bird is still the bird. Nothing's changed. It's just how yeah. we, you know, where perceive we draw it. the line, how we perceive it. And so I think that's kind of an interesting thing about birding. We have our little rules and we have our little ways of categorizing stuff that makes sense to us. But you look at it from the outside, and you're like, well, that kind of doesn't make sense. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just going back to your to your white your gambles white crown sparrow. Like, I would have thought, I mean, a bird like that bird getting caught out there. Do you think it ever goes back to the Farallons, or do you think it learned its lesson? Um, like, it, you know, something that gets banded out there. Some of those songbirds you might think just might never make it back to shore, but obviously they banned a lot of songbirds out there. Yeah, right? and yeah, I think. Um, that's sort of the standard thought, right? If you're lost out there 30 miles offshore, you probably are just going to fly into the ocean. You've got things off with your compass. But I don't think it's always the case. I mean, this kind of proves it. 
And you wonder too if if the bird going north uh, went a different different route and fixed its errors, and then you know second time southbound, it it just sort of said, oh, "I'm not going to go out to that island. I'm not going to go that and way again. I'll go this way instead." Yeah. Didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know if the, there's an adjustment, and you know the birds that are it out out your way in Cape May doing these. You know, readjustments to their migration early in the morning. It's like, yeah, they sometimes take the wrong turn, but then they do realize they're in the wrong, wrong spot, and they start reorienting to where they should be. And that's interesting to see. So it's not they're not machines, you know. They're actually yeah. living beings that take in information. Yeah. So yeah, they um, evolve within their lifetime in some, you know, in terms of the their thinking at least and their behavior. Um, yeah, cer- certainly see that in some of the migration habits. Yeah, yeah, and you know, um, totally different backyard birding thing. These, so we we talk. You know, I said gambles, white crowned sparrow, and some people are saying, "What? You know, I what, what's he talking about?" There's multiple different types of white crowned sparrows, geographic populations that you can identify in the field. But when I moved out here to to Half Moon Bay, now over 20 years ago gambles weren't that common hmm. um and and even in the last few years i've noticed that gambles have been increasing as opposed to the local breeders which are nuttles or the migrant puget sound birds from further north so i think it's that they're reacting to a change in climate actually that mm-hmm. that even within you know a decade it's gotten mm-hmm. drier here and uh, the gambles like drier habitats and drier environments. And I think they're just becoming more common. And uh, just north of us, like in Marin County, I was talking to Steve Howell, you know, who's a person who's also paying attention to this kind of stuff. He says gambles over there are quite unusual in the coast um, <laughs> in winter. So he was kind of surprised that we have all these wintering gambles. So crazy stuff that you can learn if you're paying attention to these level of details and then if you're you know kind of over the years stuff changes and that's also kind of cool right you're as a birder you can be part of the actual discovery process yeah and and again so few things in the world allow you to discover information new things feel like you're part of science or or feel like those you know people going out in a ship in you know the 1500s you know all loaded up with british flags to plant on (laughs) different specks of of land um not that i'm condoning that kind of colonial behavior (laughs) but that's what happened but they did discover stuff they did you know see new animals and new things and and you think okay that era of discovery is over it's like no it's not you know it is not you know and you don't have to take a rover to mars to to see new things. I mean, right yeah. here in your backyard, you can learn something. Yeah. Or, or take a flight to Cancun. You, you know, you can, y- yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a short little flight to, you know, ha- hang out for a few hours over there. Just yeah. uh, turn around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's true. I think that's one of the great things is that you can, in, you know, regardless of age or, or even expertise, just by through the act of observation, you can make pretty immediate uh, contributions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we, we've seen that. And part of the part of the reason we enjoy doing it, especially if you're you're taking photos and 
and or making sound recordings of birds you can uh, which is easier and easier to do all the time now um, you can make real real uh, contributions um, that, that should be a topic for one of the you know upcoming how crappy things were when we started birding <laughs> back when I was boy yeah. yeah photography and it's like phone tree I, I, you know we could, we got yeah back when I was a boy <laughs> definitely yeah well listen we're coming up on 45 minutes here one thing what we, yeah, we didn't we even get to know. anything yeah no we actually covered you know we kind of we kind of had some points we wanted to we might have meandered oh, yeah, you know yeah, which yeah. is 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 uh something we're both capable of but uh I uh I did want to see Al. I know you like to read a lot, and um, and you listen to stuff, be it the radio or music, uh, or maybe you're watching stuff on TV. What do you what are what are you getting into now? Um, what's taking up your time when you're when you're not planning trips or or uh, outside looking at birds? God, you know, um, we've kind of been we've gotten hooked on the. There's a whole genre of police dramas from the UK, <laughs> you know, like, and sort of, uh, they're all very different, but I love the fact that, um, you know, they have characters that are believable, right? Mm-hmm. And they, the people look like real people. They're not, you know, kind of glossy. Everybody's good looking like on American TV. Right. And, um, and the stories are are complex and often, you know, I, it started with with Shetland, which was, you know, which we watched like I think last year. I don't know if you've heard of that show. Just but, the just the island, the South Shetlands. I've been to, but yeah. yeah, but you know, so now you know what was the last one? Scott and Bailey, I think it was uh, the name. But anyways, like here's here's my. Go go to do Shetland if you're a birder. Start with that one, and mm. then then Broadchurch. You know you want to do. Oh, that. I've heard of Broadchurch. Broadchurch, yeah. But Shetland is actually written by a person who used to work at the Fair Isle Bird Observatory. Oh wow! So yeah, so there it's based on some a series of books, and she was married to the director of the Fair Isle Bird Observatory. And um, one of the one of the crimes happens in the bird observatory, and you know there's like uh, specimens and bird watchers and all this kind of. It's sort of part of the show, yet it's a uh, it's a proper TV show, and it's sort of the <laughs> birds come in and out of it. They're mentioned, you know. It, it's so weird to have a show where you know guys just sort of watching the ocean, and he says, "Oh, it's just so what a wonderful place just to see the full Mars flying by." It's like what what. American TV show? Are you going to get that? Even even in you know the 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 fishing show, the you know deadliest catch. All these full marts are going by. Nobody ever mentions them. Right. But anyway, yeah. Shetland, and yeah, there's a whole. I could go on and on with you know the, the names yeah, run together, but they're really well done. Shetland and Broadchurch. Go and, and watch those. Nice. I'll check those out. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I, I haven't been aside from some Seventy Sixers basketball. That's about all I've been watching lately. Um, I don't know what's uh, I don't know what's up with me. I just, uh, just haven't been watching TV as much. But um, the Sixers are looking strong this year. I'm hoping they don't uh, disappoint as we get later in the season. But uh, that has been fun to watch. Joel Embiid 
is playing at an MVP level currently. Mm. So, uh, so yeah, that's been, that's been my thing. And you know what I just got, um, is the new field guide to the birds of Argentina. That's funny. Cause that's the book I was going to mention too. Mm. I've, I've been looking at it. I've been yeah, reading it and, uh, yeah. So I've, so it's long it's time good. coming. Yeah. Right. I think it might be that book was being written for 30 years. Maybe. Yeah. It's about right. Yeah. Yeah. Is- my first trip to Argentina, I think was 2004, 2003. And I remember like back then people were like, yep, yeah, new books coming out, you know? <laughs> so it's pretty much done. And I was like, wow, that's going to be awesome. And you know, here we are, 2021. It's out finally. And it's a beautiful out. book. And there's, there's going to be a volume two, which is uh, like the all the info about the birds. That's right, going to be natural history stuff. Natural history and yeah, nesting and all that. And nice. it's only the real nerds will buy that one, but you know, <laughs> we'll have it. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely have it for um, sure. Yeah, it's beautifully illustrated, you know, and it's a it's it's a really nice book. I mean, you can pick things you know on the maps and so forth and this and that but why it's just a great book (laughs) no it's a huge contribution the country has really been overdue for for a good field guide so it's it's a big one hopefully we're going to get to use it later this fall we'll uh yeah we can we talk about that uh next time we sit down to to record yeah yeah it's cool man it's been fun man um yes you know um, I think I can see, you know, for people listening, this is, this is our first time. So it's going to obviously change as we understand kind of the, the way that, uh, you know, our brains work and, and kind of, but it's, it's a conversation. I mean, we don't, we, uh, we could talk about anything about birds, couldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> Practically. For, yeah. Ho- hopefully in an interesting way too, but yeah, I think, hopefully. uh, Al- Al and I definitely plan to to vary the format a bit. Uh, we're working with uh, with our friend Molly Brown on this, and uh, the three of us I think will will be putting together some different content, interviewing some different folks, covering different topics. This one was an intro, but we've got other other different things that we're looking forward to doing. So thanks everybody for listening, and uh, yeah, good talking with you today, Al. Yeah, good to talk to you. Let's uh let's do it again. <laughs> All right. Cheers everybody. 